uh, tonight I just want to do a little different format in the net, and we're going to uh, bridge a couple of ideas to de- together. But I want to invite you just to begin thinking this evening. Let this be, be uh, somewhat of a workshop in a way. Uh, the theme in the last few weeks and tonight is, uh, is stewarding the vision, and, and the tagline of that is, in, is impossible dreams and divine possibilities. That uh, Where is the element of faith in, uh, in, in light of your work? What is God doing in the midst of your work? And is it just a dead-end job, or is it possible that God is wanting to build his kingdom through the very things that you are skilled and, and gifted and passionate about in the context of your work. And so the concept and idea of worship as work is, is really incredible. And, and the honest, honest truth is most men don't necessarily feel that way when they're in the midst of just facing deadlines or bosses or whatever that is. And so tonight I just want to begin the process of maybe... Um, having us look at work in the context of a biblical view. And as I mentioned before, we are going to look at the life of Paul. Also, Jason Foster is going to give us a little testimony tonight of just his experience of work in in regard to just a vision for work. And I'd like to start the evening off by uh, just, uh, maybe call it semantics, but a difference in your job versus a work. If you look at the scriptures there's really no biblical basis for retirement. There's ideas of seasons. There's things that come and go and times that finish and end. But the idea of a work, you don't see the concept of retirement, but everything in our 401ks and the American way supports the idea of retirement. So where we see beginnings and ends is maybe, if I can suggest, in the context of our jobs, what we do. But yet there is a greater work that we do within our jobs and beyond. And what is that for you men? What is that? And maybe you guys have thought a lot about this. Maybe this is the first time you've ever really looked at the difference between a job that you do and the work that God has called you to do. And I just hope wherever you're at in that continuum of beginning to think about these things or farther along, that this just may cast and renew a vision for you for God's purpose in your work. This is a really big idea, guys. And, and we come back to the premise of just the proverb that without a vision, the people perish. And whether it's a personal vision for you, a vision for your family, or a vision for your work. Men, if you're here tonight and you've lost that vision for your work, you're a dead man walking. You feel, you feel, you know what that is on the inside. And I just hope that God would rekindle some life into that by beginning to speak a vision. And if we look at deeper into the text, on some of the translation, the word is vision. But actually, better translated is the word revelation. That vision is somewhat of a secular idea. When I hear the word vision, it's something I hear from, say, a secular teacher But really the context is what is the revelation from God? Is he speaking to you about your work? And revelation from God only comes from being in his presence. Amen? And so we'll treat tonight as somewhat of a workshop and moving into just beginning to think on this thing. And then just through the testimony and time in the word, I'm just praying that God just begins the process of inviting you to just get a renewed revelation.
for your work and the purposes for building his kingdom beyond it. How's that sound? So for starters, what I'd like you to do is I I gave you a little devotional that I wrote up, Committed to Success. And we're just going to take just a couple of minutes on this because as we move into this evening, I don't want this just to be a theoretical or academic or isn't this interesting exercise. I want you guys to go to work on this issue in your own life. And so what I'm asking you to do is, as we move into this evening is let's look at this scripture together, Proverbs 16:3. Commit whatever you do, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The commit to, to the Lord whatever you do, and you, your plans will succeed. It's, it's actually uh, another translation was, is that your thoughts will be established. How often do we plan our way to where we're going and what we think we're going to be doing, but actually it's really a reflection of what are you thinking? What are you, what are you thinking about your work today, guys? What are those thoughts? I mean, you may be just going through the motions to get a paycheck on Friday, and that's fine. Um, we've all been there, <laughs> for sure. But what, what are your thoughts regarding work that you're committing to the Lord? Because he has a promise in store for you that you will succeed as you commit your work to the Lord. And so I want to begin unpacking this this evening in just a few minutes exercise in the middle of the page here I've got what are you thinking look at the opportunities before you today time with your family meetings a creative initiative vacation plans a missions trip a new business venture job opportunities or even a promotion write it out define the opportunity the cost the reward make a plan and clarify your next action steps So first, what is that to define the opportunity? And I would really just like you just to take a few minutes and we're just going to just be quiet and give you a chance to work on it. So whether it's in the context of an existing uh, work that you're doing or a new thing that you're thinking or praying about, I want you to put words and write it down, define the opportunity. Now that could be anything something you want to do with your kids or, um, you know, vacation plans. But tonight, if, if you can really kind of focus and narrow it in on what is that work that you're wanting to step out on, and if I could define it or bring some clarity to the opportunity in the context of job versus work, what requires an element of faith for you to do what you're supposed to be doing? to find that opportunity, and it may be a measure of faith just to have the conversation with your boss tomorrow. Whatever that is, begin writing that down, and even if it's three things or it's 30 things, I want you to get moving on that. Now, the, the second thing I want you to do, and again, I'm just wanting to get you moving tonight on this idea. I want you to write down your natural skills and aptitudes. If you want to add spiritual gifts, that's great. But I want you to write down the opportunity in one column and to the right column. When you get up and swing your sword or you get up to bat and you hit home runs, what is the thing that you're doing? What is the characteristics that makes you strong, that God has given you natural strengths? And what are those things? And if you come up with one, awesome. Or go ahead and and, uh, write down 15. (laughs) But I just want you to put those two right next to each other. 
and then um, and we'll move into this evening. Does that sound good? Is that clear, guys? Define the opportunity and define your skill set. So spend a few minutes and write it down. Let me pray for us as we get started. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these men. And Lord, I just pray that you would begin stirring revelation inside of these men for who they are, the kingdom you've called to build, in the context of their family and their work. And Lord, we just ask for just a, it's just a move of your spirit for these men just to be able to move into the space of just worshiping and work, that you would renew them in that way tonight. Let this just be a safe place for men not to be bound by shame, but rather be moved with faith instead of fear, that they would be encouraged by just that you have got a work in store for them and let them begin getting moving in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Go get them, Tigers. Define the opportunities and define the skill set. Give you, give you about five minutes, so go for it. All right. Well, hopefully that stirred some thoughts in you men. I know uh, it's been a theme for me for the last few months, trying to gauge what the Lord's doing in my life and my family's life and where he wants us and where he's taken us. And so I uh, actually had the opportunity this last weekend to go up to a place called Praise Mountain. It's a prayer and fasting retreat just outside of uh, Florissant and just get alone with God, try to spend some time, you know, hearing his voice and get away from the distractions. And usually my wife can tell when it's time and she'll kick me out of the house and say, you really need to get out of here and go find out uh, what the Lord's saying. So you know, I went up there, I had, I kind of was on a mission, you know, how we can get sometimes. I, I had very specific things I felt like God needed to tell me, and uh, I was expecting, fully expecting I'd get some answers, uh, you know, in my timing. And, uh, but yet I had this sense of just a stirring of him calling me to, you know, to visit, just to spend time alone with him. And I don't do it enough. I mean, it's, you know, how it is. Everybody's busy. You've got a lot of stuff um, going on. But uh, it was just, I had this sense before I even went up there Friday evening of just God really kind of waiting for me. I don't know how else to describe it, but just really ready for me to be there with him. And that, that's a pleasure. I mean, that's a real joy to have that, you know, a relationship where you, you you know, I mess up all the time, and yet he still lets me just hang out and uh, doesn't make me feel bad about, you know, some of the things that I've done or whatever. So um, so I took, I took a few business books because, you know, I need to get powered through those. I took some, uh, obviously, some other books of faith-oriented, you know, works trying to build my prayer life or improve my financial situation or whatever, you know, different topics. And I just, you know, was actually I had two books on prayer and one book on uh, stewardship and finances. And I thought, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to work through these. God's going to speak. I'll have some time of worship. You know, I kind of had it all planned. And, um, and I got there Friday night and I just, you know, kind of got settled in. I got there a little bit late and, and so it was starting to already get dark outside. So I just kind of got everything moved in, got my uh, sleeping arrangements all set up and everything set up and ready. And, and I was, I was contemplating, okay, what do I dive into? You know, should I, should I jump in? Okay. So I'm going to pray first. So I said, okay, God, let's pray. So I started praying and, and, uh, it's just, it wasn't, it didn't feel like there wasn't an answer. It just felt like it was more 
of, uh, you know what, I just want you to chill out a little bit. You're kind of, you know, you got this plan, you're kind of antsy, you've got all this, you know, go do, go charge the hill kind of mentality, and that's not what's going to work for you this weekend. And so I listened, and I just heard, you know what, just, you know, calm down, let's put on some worship music, and let's just, let's just enjoy spending time. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's, that's, okay, we'll do that, and then tomorrow we'll get on to, well, this is the stuff that's got to get figured out. And uh, on the wall, for some reason, I, I, and there's always materials up there, it's just great, and so I'll get into a little bit more of that, but on the wall was this poem. And uh, I, was, I, I was just drawn to it, and it was in a frame, and, and it was a little hard to read, so I pulled it off the wall and was looking at it. And then I found it online and, and kind of wrote it up, but... It was a poem called Waiting um, on God, and it's, uh, it's an anonymous author, uh, but I want to read it to you. And this kind of, I think, kind of speaks to my, my condition. Desperately, helplessly, and with longing, I cried. Quietly, patiently, with love, God replied. I pled and I wept for a clue to my fate. And the master so gently said, child, just wait. Wait? You said wait? My indignant reply. Lord, I need answers. I need to know why. Is your hand shortened or have you not heard? By faith I have asked and am claiming your word. My future and all to which I relate hangs in the balance and you tell me to wait? I'm needing a yes, a go-ahead sign, or even a no to which I'll resign. And Lord, you promise that if we believe, we need but to ask and we shall receive. And Lord, I've been asking and this is my cry. I'm weary of asking. I need a reply. So that was where I was. Then quietly, softly, I learned of my fate. As my master replied once again, you must wait. So I slumped in my chair, defeated and taught, and grumbled to God, so I'm waiting for what? He seemed then to kneel, and his eyes wept with mine. He tenderly said, I could give you a sign. I could shake the heavens and darken the sun. I could raise the dead, cause the mountains to run. All you seek, I could give, and pleased you would be. You would have what you want, but you wouldn't know me. You'd not know the depths of my love for each saint. You'd not know the power that I give to the faint. You'd not learn to see through the clouds of despair. You'd not learn to trust just by knowing I'm there. You'd not know the joy of resting in me when darkness and silence were all you could see. You'd never experience that fullness of love as the peace of my spirit descends like a dove. You'd know that I give and I save for a start, but you'd not know the love in the beat of my heart. Or the glow of my comfort given late in the night, the faith that I give when you walk without sight, the gift that's beyond just getting what you asked from an infinite God who heals all your past. And you'd never know, should your pain quickly free, what it means that my grace is sufficient for thee. Yes, your dreams for that loved one overnight would come true, but oh, the loss if I lost what I'm doing in you. So be silent, my child, and in time you will see that the greatest of gifts is to get to know me. And though oft may my answer seem terribly late, my most precious answer of all is still wait. That just really messed with my head because I was not in the mood to wait. I was very much like the person in this uh, little poem about, you know, I've got questions. I need to know. I have a lot of serious questions about my business, about next steps for me, career, Next steps, things going on in my family, kids, you know, graduating from school and going off overseas in mission field. I mean, great stuff. 
But, you know, I had some really pertinent questions, and I just felt um, like that was my time to get away and get all the answers. But I kind of knew, I shared with Russell before I left, that maybe the Lord wasn't looking to just answer all my questions. He just wanted some of me and some of my time. So, so that was Friday night. Saturday, um, I just I couldn't get engaged with any of the materials I brought. I just was like, okay, this doesn't seem right. And, and then the Lord highlighted a couple little books that were laying around in, this, in the, the little cabin. And so I grabbed uh, them and started reading. And one was an autobiography of a guy that was a Methodist um, preacher who um, transformed by the Spirit of God. Just amazing stuff. Great story. Um, and then this other one was just a little book called Lighting Mary's House, which I was, I, I kind of looked on the back. And I thought, oh, this kind of looks dumb, but okay, Lord, I'll read it. And it was just, you know, uh, 60 pages or less. And so it detailed the story of a of a young lady. It was kind of a metaphorical Jesus visiting her, helping her clean out the house, the rooms in her house that were dark and were damaged. And the pain that she had and the way that we, we keep that pain in our lives. And so the rooms of the house really represented the heart. And, you know, I kind of was reading through it. and I was, You know, it was touching, but didn't really speak to me a whole lot. But I thought, okay, well, I'm just about done. I got to the last page, read the last word, and was completely overwhelmed. I was wiped away in a completely massive wave of the Lord's love and his, I mean, I, I couldn't do anything but cry. I just wept for probably an hour. And some of it was pretty violent kind of travail. And the Lord took me to a place uh, where I had experienced some pain of abandonment and loneliness as a kid. And, and he shared inside of that story, some areas of my heart that were dark and were damaged. And you know, I didn't go up there for that. That wasn't what I signed up for. It wasn't the plan. I had a very specific, you know, I had a reading list. I had everything kind of lined out what I was asking for. I mean, it was going to be very specific. But, um, you know, it doesn't always work that way. So, so that was just an unbelievable experience and something I've never, ever had before. And, and w- when it ended, um, I was completely drained, completely wiped out. Uh, but probably weighed about 10,000 pounds less. I mean, it was just an over, and I had a great child. I didn't have a horrible childhood. It wasn't like there was anything major that it was, it was there, but I'd carried so many things into my life and that what I sensed were kind of abandonment and loneliness and all these things to where I turned it into performance and acceptance based on performance. And I can achieve and I'll do this and I'll do that. And the Lord just freed me from it. Just completely broke it off. So, Anyway, so, and that fits into the rest of the story, but uh, with where my heart is and what I was trying to make decisions about. And so, so that was a great, great day. And, and the Lord had given me, that night, he gave me a couple of words um, for my experience to that point. The first Friday night word was rest, just rest in me. He kind of spoke that to me, kind of that chill out, just rest. And I'm not good at resting. And some people have called it the hard work of rest. And it is, it is difficult for me because I'm, you know, I like to always be going and especially quieting my mind and just being still and knowing he's God. So, so Friday felt like that was kind of the word. And then, and then Saturday was restore. He'd restored some things in me through that process of, I, I don't even know what it was, but anyway, whatever it was is great. <laughs> so, but that restoration was tangible. I could feel it. I could sense something had changed in my spirit. And so, 
you know, Saturday night comes along and I'm like, I'm starting to feel like the to-do list isn't getting checked off very well. Uh, and I'm starting to, you know, it's kind of like, God, why, why, what's going on? I'm not, I'm not really, you know, I, I still don't feel like I'm accomplishing kind of what, you know, was on the plan. You know, so I'm kind of thick-headed, so it takes a while to catch on. But anyway, so then, then Sunday, um, he just, the, the word that I woke up with was just rejoice. Just rejoice in what I've done. Even if you can't explain it or don't understand it, walk in rejoicing. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And, and the verse in Isaiah talks about um, that we'll mount up with wings as eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, all that stuff. It's just that was an important part of my story. What I needed from the Lord was just a, a, a bolster shot, if you will, a booster shot of getting, you know, courageous again and being able to walk in some things that were, you know, decisions are hard. Sometimes decisions are scary and fear can come in and you think of, I'm analytical in some senses and otherwise not as much, but I, I try to, I kind of think through all the different angles and I think through all the different permutations and usually in a pessimistic way of, okay, that's not going to work out so well or this or whatever. And the Lord just really wanted to quiet that in me. And it was, uh, it was actually uh, quite freeing. And so, so I'm wrapping up my time, I don't know, sometime around one o'clock that afternoon. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I need to get back and and, uh, you know, I kind of had this sense of, did, did really anything get accomplished? You know, I've spent this time away from my family and up here. And, uh, but yet I knew that stuff had happened. It's just, you know, it's been kind of in the week since of really, rec- or the several days since of recognizing even now what all has happened uh, that he's done. But, but I just found that, um, you know, spending that time alone with him, laying aside my agenda, which I didn't actually lay it aside. He kind of kicked it, um, which is fine. Uh, allowing that to happen, right? Uh, being open to that. And then um, walking in, in that relationship and really hearing and listening. And, and I didn't get any answers to the big questions. And, I, and I'm literally packing up and I'm like, Lord, what about all these other things that I need to know about my business and these, these kind of issues? And and he, and he just came in with this kind of reassurance of that's not the most important thing. What's the most important thing is what I'm doing in you. It's not what you do, it's who you are that matters. And so, because uh, I, you know, I'm, I, I've got a client that I'm working for and, and there's some stuff that we're doing that it kind of feels like we're kind of, you know, not making it happen maybe as quickly as we'd like. And, you know, the, you get concerned as to whether the client's going to be happy and all those types of things. And, and God just took that all away. And then, you know, my meetings since then, this week actually, have just been phenomenal. And we're really, you know, actually we're making some progress. So, um, so just take, take heart, guys. Uh, first off, about your heart. Never, don't wall that away. Don't close it up. Because when you do that, you don't, you, you miss the opportunity for the Lord to come in and really work. And if you can ever find time to just spend with him, and maybe you'll be brighter than I was and go in without an agenda and allow him to just move, um, but know that he will be there. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you knock, it will be opened unto you. And uh, I just wanted to share a little bit about what the Lord was doing in my heart, and hopefully that will resonate with some of you guys. So be blessed. Thank you.
earlier this afternoon. I was on my way out the door, and something Grady and I were talking about spurred some comment that comes from an eight-year-old that says, Daddy, you're going to live to be a hundred, and then you're going to die. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, son. It's just the way you talk with, you know, an eight-year-old, just certainly like, well, you know, I'm turning 40 here next month, and I got 60 years. So what am I going to do? And it was just like this great moment of, I got 60 years. Is my job going to be the same as it is today, you know, 60 years from now? Nope. But is the work of the Lord, the very thing that we're talking about tonight, is that going to remain consistent 60 years from now? That's some perspective as I come into this evening. So thank you, Grady for my hundred years, and then I'm going to die. So, <laughs> I love my son. Our job, is, our job is what we do. Our work is what... The, um, our job is what the Lord will do um, within our jobs. And the premise of our work is, where is faith required in the midst of your job? That without exercising your faith as you step into a dependency on God, that God can show up in the midst of your job is a place that we all can grow and develop in our work. What's your job and what's your work? I asked you guys tonight to begin the process of defining, defining opportunities and also clarifying some of your strengths because somewhere in the middle of those two you see the crossover of your job and your work and the question of where is faith required for you to develop as a man of God but also depend on the Lord. The temptation for all of us with men is just like Jason's story. We're just waiting for the task. We want the task and we're going to go tackle that task And somehow we put that on our shoulders because we're designed for responsibility. But it's like, got it, Lord. Thanks so much. I'll check in with you later once that thing is done, mission accomplished. Aren't you so proud of me? And we miss something in the journey of that, don't we? I was in a very challenging season uh, after 9-11. I was uh, closing... A warehouse of about 80,000 square feet. I was working all over the country. I had people working for me. I was uh, just recovering from a company, a client that went bankrupt, and I lost uh, a significant amount of money uh, through that. And more than, more than the whole business process, I was scared. And I was responding in fear to a lot of my decisions. And one thing led to another that uh, from that season of fall of 2001 up to June of 2002, which was when we felt led of the Lord to move to Colorado Springs. And we moved here September 2002. But I remember very clearly April 2002, before I even knew about Colorado, because it was a very quick process, that my wife leveled with me, me with Russell, you need to learn to walk more in the Spirit with your work. And I thought, that's stupid. (laughs) What is she talking about? I get up and pray and have my devotional. I have counsel and guys in my life. And, you know, I mean, 
what is she talking about? She doesn't understand the details of my business. I mean, that's just silly. And I literally just disregarded it. But it would literally come back to haunt me later as I moved to Colorado and my business um, simplified for a season. And that just continued to resonate with me of learning to walk by the Spirit in the context of your work. And specific examples of that have come back to me again and again, and I've shared some of those here, where literally some of the most profitable business deals I've ever experienced are not sitting in my office or during a meeting or responding to an email. The most profitable deals that I can go back and look at in hindsight are is when I'm on a walk or I'm on a hike on the incline or I'm on a run getting time away with the Lord like in the way Jason was just talking about. And the Lord would literally give me insight, wisdom, and understanding with a specific word. And men, I tell you this, where the Lord would literally give me a man's name and I would finish my run, shower, come back, collect myself. I would call the individual the Lord spurred on my mind and the guy would respond with, are you kidding me? I was just getting ready to talk to you, but that's crazy because we haven't talked for three years. How did you know to give me a call? I've heard that probably a dozen times. And that begins a conversation that leads into a business context. This is real, guys. It's as real as can be. But yet, it's not a bunch of hocus-pocus. It comes from a gentle and a quiet spirit and being still and knowing that I'm God, waiting upon the Lord, and in the right moment, the Lord will direct you. And I want to walk more in that. That's God's economy. I have my own economy that I try to drive every day, but yet the Lord has invited me into his economy, isn't he? So this evening, if I'd like to just take you a little bit on a biblical journey that I hope will resonate with some of you in some of the stories and, and through this evening invite you into biblically as you're sitting quiet with the Lord, with your Bible and your journal, that something will begin to connect with you in regard to your work and maybe in the context of your job. job. So whether you're just starting a job, starting a business, or in the middle of the biggest responsibilities of your life, or you're retired, the context of the work that God has called you to do applies, and let's look at it biblically. So, Mike, if you could put up um, my wheel of work. I don't know if you guys can see that. I'm happy to share that with you later. I've never taught on this before, so I'd like to just work through this together. But if you look at the top, it really starts with the who. And you heard it in Jason's testimony, and a few weeks ago I shared with you rather intimately in regard to just vision and revelation that for me the sequence of my time with the Lord consistently over years has been a rhythm of when I connect with the Lord, that I usually come with my agenda or my to-do list or my wish list or my pain points. And when I finally get all that just kind of, you know, we're not really focusing on this, are we, Lord? And then all of a sudden, when I'm ready and I'm quiet, the Lord hits me with who. He hits me with who he is first. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
a devoted follower of Christ, this process starts with understanding who he is. And then as you spend more time and you praise and adore him for who he is, then often the Lord reminds me of who I am. Who I am. And then if I have time or take time or when it's right, he reminds me not of what I'm to do, but how I'm to do it. The Lord is far more interested in how I do things or the character in which I do things than the actual work itself. And then sometimes he'll give me the what on the mountainside with a name, but it's usually always after that process. So this is just something that just over the years I've come up with just as a tool to maybe invite you guys to, to just a process to think about your work. And maybe it's um, for some of you guys who can't see it. It starts with the who of the identity. And it's somewhat of a double thing of the identity of God, your theology and your thinking about God, and then thinking about who you are. Who are you? Tonight I asked you, what are your strengths? What is that about you that makes you unique? All the way down to your fingerprint. There's a reason why God made you who you are. And so I'd like to just take that and start and invite you back to a passage most of you guys are familiar with, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. If you guys have your Bibles, open that with me. So if you're writing down a couple of points to come back to, I I want through this passage, I want to start with God has anointed you. If you have the Holy Spirit flowing through you, he has anointed you. May not feel like it, but the reality is he's anointed you by the grace of God. And that, that is sound biblical truth that unless you're getting renewed day by day in that and having men remind you of that, we often forget. But let's look at the promise. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The whole context and foundation for this work of the Lord compared to your job is not so that you can boast. Is that we can see God show up by faith and do something amazing beyond what we can do, that we can give glory to God because he's given us grace to do this work. And, and so this is... You have been anointed, men. And then I also want to, to speak to you that you have been appointed. You've been anointed by God's grace through faith, but you have been appointed. And let's look at that in verse 10. For we, men, are God's workmanship. He made you all the way down to your fingerprint. You're really important, guys. You're God's made in his image. You are his workmanship. Why? Why did he do this? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. He already has work that he's planning on seeing done, and he's called you up to do it. There is a work that you are anointed for, men, and he's appointed you to do it. 
So that's the why. It's a big deal. And so whether you're like me, I loved, I hated and I loved when I got into the office furniture business 17 years ago because there's nothing better than a party killer to walk in with a group of people you don't know. So what do you do? So what do you do? What do you do? And all of a sudden I say, I sell used office furniture. That's like one step below a used car salesman, right? And it's great because you could just sift out the people that are just posers and could care less versus the people that genuinely want to get to know you. That my job was used office furniture. What? That's what my wife said when I got into it. What? (laughs) But yet there's a greater work that's in the midst of that. So I didn't have uh, such a noble thing on the surface. So that's why maybe I had to seek the Lord extra hard on some of this stuff. So, So man, he's appointed you. He's anointed you, and as he has appointed you um, with purpose. And so, 2 Thessalonians 1.11, you can write it down or turn to it. So, this is Paul. We constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling. Big word there. That by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose. And every act prompted by your faith, your faith, prompted by your faith in response to the calling on your life that he may fulfill good purpose. There is a biblical theme of fulfillment of purpose of your life. The idea of writing down a purpose statement has big time biblical implications. What is your purpose? And the reason you write that down is it's almost so bold that it requires, are you kidding me, Lord? Is this for real? Lord, you've got to show up. Otherwise, this is never going to get done. And so here we see in Thessalonians that this is God who's going to fulfill your purpose, that he has made and appointed and anointed you to do. Let's look again at a couple other passages in case this isn't sinking in. Psalms 57.2. I cry out to the Lord, God most high, who fulfills the purposes for me. Psalms 138.8. The Lord will fulfill his purposes for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hand. It is the Lord who bursts this stuff in you, has designed you since the creation of the world for works that are so huge, only God can do it. You can do your to-do list tomorrow at work for your job, but yet God has called you and made you for something really significant. And it has something to do with building his kingdom, and you have a pretty critical part to play in that. It's a big deal, guys. You like this so far? You enjoy- I like this stuff. Is this, 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 this is destiny, guys. And that's a, a big idea for me. So let's move along the wheel here. The who of identity. Biblically, we moved into the why. Why you're here biblically. And, I, and, and so the, the next step for you is beginning to art- articulate and write down and invite some men that you trust into what does it look like to make 
a statement of purpose for you. What does that look like? So when you've got challenges going on all over the place and you forget who you are because you're so beat up, this is the stuff that is the compass that points true north for you. These, these are the statements that you say that the vision statement, if you will, of what you believe God has called you to do, and when you forget it, your son or your daughter or your wife or your friends repeat it back to you, and you go, right, that's right, okay, let me shower, take a nap, refresh, get a good meal, and let's go charge the hill again, because this is what we're called to do, and God is going to do a mighty work, even in the midst of my weakness. So, what? What are we supposed to do? I don't know. That's the million-dollar question, right? I got all these opportunities. What are we supposed to do? I want to invite you into a passage of Scripture that the Lord showed me several years ago that really opened up some critical uh, thinking for me on this subject. And I want to have you guys turn over to uh, 2 Timothy 2, verses 3. 2 Timothy 2, This is the passage that, if you guys recall, this is really where when God, when Jesus says, go and make disciples, it is the great commission. The definition of making disciples is right here in 2 Timothy 2.2. It is a four-generation, not a suggestion, but a command to go out and make disciples. And, and you may have heard me teach on this and, and certainly heard others teach on this. But interesting, look at the context of this definition of going making disciples. Verse 1, Then you, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's that word again of the anointing that God has placed on your life. And here it is, the discipleship definition. In the presence, in these things you've heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. That's a four generations if you count up the number of folks that are there. It's like your spiritual great-grandchildren. Like discipleship, yeah, it's not meeting with a guy once. It carries on. It's, a, it's basically the picture of family. So let's move into the next verse to see the context of how we're to work. What is the characteristics of what we're to do? Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets involved with civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive a victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. And then finally, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of his crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Guys, the how or the, the what you are to do, we are given a picture of three very different characteristics through the soldier, through the athlete, and the farmer. And there is some descriptions of how those different disciplines work in what we're to do. And so when you look at that of the soldier, of the one that fights, right? And also he adheres to the rules. And then you also have the athlete who has 
incredible uh, ability to run and run hard. And then you have the farmer that works hard and understands seasons, and there's a time to plant and sow, and there's a time to reap. And that let that be the manner and the way of what we do with our work. What are the characteristics of the fighter and the runner and the hard worker in your job? What's your to-do? So... And I love this, the way Paul wrote this. Reflect on these things. The Lord will give you insight into it. I, I would enjoy spending more time on this to develop it more. But I would just encourage you, listen to Paul. Reflect on that passage and the Lord will give you insight. It's a promise. That's the what to do, guys. Now we move over to where. Where does this thing take place. Where are you working today? Where has God placed you? What's the context of your job today? And, and that's, that, that's really where it gets into just being faithful to where God has placed you today. And so, um, I, I want to come back to that one in a minute in the, in the context, literally, of Paul. And I want to move over to the how. The how is probably the most tender for me. Because out of 1 Thessalonians 1.3, if you'll turn there, I want to invite you to put eyes on this. As, as Jason shared and I alluded to er, earlier that I get the sense from the Lord that he is more interested in how we work than what we do in terms of our specific job. And let me, let's look at this together. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. You're going to see three characteristics that I want you to mark in your Bible and underline and come back to this thing and just really saturate yourself in this these three ideas. What is the how of your work? And Paul gives us a picture of it, that your work, it is a work produced by faith. It is a labor prompted by love, and it is endurance inspired by hope. This is, as I mentioned maybe one of the more tender passages for me because as I would define it, this is what I call a biblical blessing over me. We've talked a little bit about our fathers and and, and some fathers are are more expressive in their affirmation and validation and and some are not. Um, And I've shared some of that story with you and I am so thankful that today my dad just is incredibly affirming and very validating but that wasn't always the case. But the one thing about my dad, even in his brokenness over the years growing up, this passage is one that he spoke more about than any other passage in all the scriptures. And he spoke of it in this way because he was a serial entrepreneur that started lots and lots of businesses. And he would always say, son, whatever you do, it's got to be marked by this. If it doesn't have a work, if, does, if faith is not required, and it doesn't have a love, and it doesn't have hope, 
then you're missing something. Because that is the fuel that is going to get you through when the times get tough. I found that later, 45 years ago, that he taught that when, you know, when he was in his 20s. And he taught that at a church in Chattanooga. And it was on a teaching on Nehemiah. And he referenced this passage. And that impacted him so much in his 20s that it carried him on through all these days. And it has become a blessing for me that I cannot help but pray through those things as I asked you men, what are the opportunities? I get chills now even thinking about it. When I think about the opportunities placed before me and you look at those opportunities, put those things through the grid, work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope. That's the filter to see just the validity of that work and whether or not the Lord is in that thing or not. Thank you for letting me share that a little bit. When some of our more uh, silver heads in the room, they understand seasons. And there is a time to wait, and then there's a time, man, to run. And, and it is a tension in both, and sometimes that's even in the course of a given day. And, the, and there is just a rhythm to just understanding, just wait and patience and perseverance, but also quick to obedience. And understanding the seasons and when that is. And so what is your season today? When you look at the opportunities, a question that I often ask myself because I'm an idea guy. I have a lot of vision and I have a lot of ideas for a lot of great things. But oftentimes it has to be answered in with the question. The answer has to come from the question, right idea, wrong timing. Is there still development that still needs to happen inside of me before it's time for that vision to become a reality? And so that, if that's the case... You look at seasons, and here is kind of the million-dollar question for you, is that with that vision and understanding seasons, what are you doing to prepare today for what the Lord has for you in advance that he is preparing you for? And we're back to Ephesians 2.10. God has an incredible appointment for you And it may be even in the context of your family of an opportunity that you don't even see yet. But he is preparing you in the season that you're in. I sat with a man today at lunch that has just gone through a really tough three-year, four-year stint. And we sat at lunch today with tears in his eyes, and he celebrated with me that he just got offered a position as a CEO of an organization, 125 people, and just... But yet, so many times he was ready to bail at this opportunity or that or whatever. And whatever held his feet to the fire. And this thing is so right for him. It is a joy. But yet, if he was not patient and didn't understand a season and didn't understand critical events along the way that just potentially would have left him disillusioned, depressed even, But yet God was developing a perseverance and a faith inside of him big enough 
for the appointment that just got realized in the last month. And it, it is a celebration. And that's the way God works, whether it's Moses in the context of 40 years or other biblical characters. And that's really where I want to have us turn is I want to just give you a little snapshot on Paul's life. And if, so if you would, just turn with me over to uh, Galatians. You guys remember the story of Paul. When was the first time that he really encountered the Lord? What was that road called? Road to Damascus. We'll call that the day of salvation, right? (laughs) He was blind. And then later on, just some crazy miraculous events, and then he could see, but yet he was wrecked on the road to Damascus. But yet... um, that's not the day that he got necessarily his marching orders of where he was to go or what he was to do. And this to me, guys, for where I'm at, I'm 17 years into an office furniture business that uh, has been incredible and also has just nearly killed me at times. I want to invite you into the text here. Galatians chapter 1. Verse 11, for a little context. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. Hallelujah. I did not receive it from any man, nor I was taught by it. Rather, I received it by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Without a vision, the people perish. Or without revelation, the people cast off restraint. Paul's mission started with revelation from God couple key points here in the middle of this text. Verse 15, all the way down to your fingerprint. Guys, don't diminish your anointing and your appointing and who you are. Look at Paul. But when God, who, made, who set me apart from birth, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal a son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul, in the revelation of God, knew who he was from birth. He knew his anointing, and he also now declares his appointment to preach to the Gentiles. That is the what of where he's to go. But it came from revelation. And then verse 18, very important time frame. Damascus Road... And then verse 18. Then after three years, he went up to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him for 15 days. First big mile marker. Three years since Damascus. And then we move down here to chapter 2, verse 1. Fourteen years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, and this time with Barnabas. And I took Titus. And again, I went in response to the revelation to set before the gospel that I was preaching to preach among the Gentiles. 17 years. I know from study that Paul traveled, foot travel, not airplane, traveled 13,000 miles in his missionary journeys. That's a long way, fellas. 13,000 miles of hiking 
with some funny sandals. He didn't have any Nikes, right? Because he was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. But what I love about that, guys, is in this, this word on seasons, is understanding the seasons that the man we know as Paul that we read about in his letters is, is more seasoned. We're not reading the Paul that just came off of Damascus. We're not reading the Paul that came off of his first three years as a believer in Christ. We're, we're not even reading so much about the Paul that's 17 years in his journey. But yet these are important mile markers to understand the season in light of the call, in light of who he is, and that God is going to fulfill his purpose to preach over 13,000 miles among the Gentiles. This, this, this example of Paul is so liberating to me because it's just, it shows a pace that we are such a fast food, get it quick now, let's have another meeting, an event, culture, but yet God has a specific work that he's anointed and appointed to build you guys and prepare you for that may come over the course of your lifetime. So let us be faithful to that work in the context of what may feel like a dead-end used office furniture job. The most miserable seasons of my life, of my work life or job life, was in the back of a 100,000-square-foot warehouse going, where's that stuff again? And why, why am I back here and not the other guy? And just feeling pretty sorry for myself. <laughs> and it's dirty office furniture, too. you got to clean it to get it back out the door. And it just felt like, what am I doing here? But yet, God had called me to so much more of the attitude and the call that was on my life. So guys, I just, I want to encourage you, and I'll, I'll close with this scripture, and I've shared this with some of you guys. And this is part of a three-week talk of a personal vision, personal revelation, a vision for your family, and a vision for your work. And biblically, I'd like to close out of Habakkuk 2.2. And I've shared this with some of you guys, but I just want to come back to it again. Tonight I asked you at the beginning to write down the opportunities and your strengths and begin the practice of writing down some of these things. Get into the scriptures, men of God. Let the scriptures just saturate your soul and let the Holy Spirit prompt you through the light of the scriptures and give you insight to the work that you're to do. Reflect on these things and the Lord will give you insight. And then out of Habakkuk 2.2, Respond and be quick to obey. Write down the revelation that God has given you. Make it plain on tablets. And then find a herald that will run with it. That's very specific language of what we're to do. For me, this is my response to it. This is a way that... I, I. This is the first time I've even taught this. And I hope and pray that this will continue to mature and develop to help others get moving where they're stuck in the context of their work. That write down the revelation, men of God, and make it plain. And God will give you insight into it. And then who are the people that are to share that message to you? 
For me, sometimes it doesn't get any more complicated than my son, who I share something plainly to him, and then when I need it most, he turns around and spits it back to me, and I just go, man, (laughs) I love that. And so let it start in our homes, and then let it carry over into our friendships and brotherhood relationships. Let it carry over into our church. Let it carry over into the workplace. And, and the Lord will begin to just work in and through you by his anointing on your life, the appointment that you're called to do. For you matter so much. And he is going to fulfill it, guys. And we just have to be available, don't we? We have to believe. And so Habakkuk 2.2 is, is that biblical point. Let me, one more, last thing. The whole bedrock of this teaching, that when I get really offline and my compass is way over here and I'm, I've lost my bearings because the winds are blowing really hard. This right here, gentlemen, John six twenty nine. This is it. I am such a taskmaster of I, this is the job, this is the work that I need to get accomplished, and I want to, want to do this. But this is what grounds me, guys. The work of the Lord is to believe. We have our jobs. God calls us to excellence and work in that, to be an example for Christ and salt and light and how we do that and what that is and the context, all those things. But ultimately, the question for tonight is where do you leave room for faith to depend on God and the responsibilities you're carrying? God wants you to test him in this, to put your dependence on on God so that he can show up and blow your mind and the people around you. That's where the power of God comes, not just in words, but in the power of God because you are a man of God who believed. Let us leave room for God to work through our faith in even the most mundane of jobs or even in the most challenging of jobs. No matter how skilled you are aligned to your work, Leave room for God to show up. I encourage you, man, just to press into the Lord on this. Your work matters so much. So I hope tonight is encouragement. I hope this gets you moving. And and whether it's just starting from scratch, just getting on your knees before the Lord and just asking Him to just speak and move, and to get you moving where you're stuck on this thing, and let him give you fresh vision and revelation, the kind of stuff that says, I'm going to live to 100, and so backfill the subtraction, and what am I going to do to be faithful to my work for what that looks like? And let me start today. Father, thank you for your word. It is a promise that we can literally build our lives on the rock That no matter what storm comes, and every one of these guys have some kind of storm 
they're facing. They're not going to get blown away, and they're not going to have their foundation eroded if their belief is on you and your promises. So, Lord, I just I pray an anointing and a blessing over them that you would just show yourself to them as they just lay out their hands to receive from you and to step in abiding grace. Lord, I just pray for miracles. I pray for that boss situation that just seems impossible. That, Lord, that you would bring your grace and mercy and forgiveness on that. That you let these men of God just, just be God's men to where there can be unity in their workplace instead of division. I just pray for peace. Peace as far as these men are able in, in what seems like impossible situations, Lord. You have called us to be men of just covenant and commitment as far as we are able. And that in that, 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 that we are called to be salt and light. And I pray that these men would just be incredibly salty with your grace. And that the light of the Lord Jesus Christ would shine forth. That whatever is darkness in the context of their work, whether it's vendors or customers or employees, whatever the people, whatever darkness is represented by the people that are there, that the light of the Lord Jesus Christ would shine forth and that these buildings and these offices and these campuses would just get moved and, and your kingdom would be established and your will be done in the lives of these people. And let it start with these men here tonight because they were faithful to the anointing and the appointment that you're going to fulfill that work tonight. God, I'm just so expectant for your presence to move among these men, that families are built and restored, and that legacy is established, and that your kingdom is moved because these are ambassadors and they're fathers, and they are ready to be called out by you, God. Let it come and let your presence just be known among these men that these won't be foreign ideas, that these men will not be just drinking off of milk, but they will just be eating the, just the deep riches of the meat of the Word of God and the riches of your presence and your spirit that would anoint them with power as they move forward in the areas of influence that you've given them. Lord, I just pray against fear. I pray against timidity. And I pray for a courageous spirit that would come over these men that they would leave here tonight and be different. I pray for personal vision and revelation that that it would bring restraint and order and focus, laser focus for your kingdom purpose. God, I pray for a blessing that these men would be men of God and men of the word and that they would be quick with the word of God on their lips. God, I pray for the marriages within the net that I am so done with divorce, like my friend who had just told me that he's starting a divorce process. I am so done with that. That, Lord, let there raise up a generation of men that would be strong and united in in their homes and marriages. And that whatever miracle needs to happen, that you're in the miracle business. And so let it be done in Jesus' name. God, I just pray for brotherhood. That these men, that every time they trip and stumble for a moment, that they shrink back in shame, that we just end that in Jesus' name. That, that, that this place would be a place of trust and of grace and humility, that friendships and brotherhood would form, that, that we were strengthened by our numbers as we go out, that no man is meant to go out and alone and do this. 
And so let there just be an anointing of brotherhood and friendship and community that would start here among these men that would go out into our church and into the city. Raise up men of God in Jesus' name. Amen.